Loving instruction. How many remember your mom and dad? And here's the deal. I know every one of you had a mom and a dad. So how many of you remember instruction from your mom and dad? Man, you, you remember that. How many of you, help me out now, a little exercise here. How many of you know sometimes that the instruction was not so loving? May I see your hand? Yeah, loving instruction. And knowing some of you like I now know you, I wonder if your parents were ever able to give you loving instruction because you were so stubborn and hard-headed. And I think some of you still are just as hard-headed as you can be. Amen? I was a compliant child. How many believe that? Raise your hand. Not a one, not a one. Here's a text because in this text, uh, Proverbs 1-7, message version, it says, start with God. The first step in learning is bowing down to God. Use your imagination. Step one, first step is bowing down to God. Only fools turn their noses at such wisdom and learning. This is coming from an individual that has been inspired by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, Solomon, who was David's son. And Solomon has a basic goal in mind for those that he's writing to. He has a pretty good repertoire. He has a pretty good, uh, has a pretty good resume. He's an individual that was known for his wisdom and his guidance, but he was not without mistake. He was not without trouble. He was not without weakness. But he writes to us and he says, here's what I feel that Jehovah God is speaking to me about, and it just poured out of him. And he said, I want to teach people how to live. So he says, hey, if you want to get a good start, bow down to God. If you snub your nose at God, I got to tell you, you're in big trouble. That's a, that's, a, that's a good point to live by. He wants to teach them understanding things about life. How, how, what about life? How, how is life? He wants to them to act justly and fairly and not just be self-centered. He, he warns them about problems and he, he wants the wise to become wiser. And he says the first step to becoming wiser is to reverence God, be inspired by the truth. So then he goes on in Proverbs 2, verses 1 through 5, and you're going to see it there on the screen. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, that is the value of reading the Bible, memorizing Scripture, capturing some scriptural principles to live by, let it live within you, he says, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. And if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver, in other words, don't just scan like looking for a bottle of ketchup, really tear the furniture up, turn it upside down, pull the carpets up, look behind the drapes, look, look for it as if you cannot afford to lose it and search for it as a hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord, how God functions and operates and why he says what he says and find the knowledge of God. Wisdom, I want 
godly wisdom. Say that with me. I want godly wisdom. Let's say it again. I want godly wisdom. I want it every day. So I want to give just a few things that I think that may be four simple truths before we get into our time of prayer tonight. And, and all of this we already know, at least the majority of it. God directs our lives. Say that with me. God directs our life. Psalms 23, David talking here, 37, 23 through 25. He says, and you've heard me say it when I say, don't use the word luck. I put this in context now so you can understand why. Oh, they sure were lucky. Lucky. Here it is. The steps of a man are established by whom? The Lord. Everybody everybody got that. It is established by the Lord. If you think you've done something big because you've been successful, your steps were established by the Lord. If you've got name recognition, your steps were established by the Lord, and He delights in His way. When He falls, talking about you and me, He shall not be hurled headlong, because the Lord is the one who holds His hand. I have been young and now, and you read that next part. I, I can't read it, but anyway. Yet, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, or what? His descendants begging for bread. Let me ask you, what more can you desire right then and right there? So here I am, God. But we have this little thing called stubborn self-willed and we play that card far too often in our lives especially when we're confronted with the truth now all of us understand what it means to feel a little oppressed sometime in difficult situation when we look back and we uh, and we're facing circumstances that are not kind to us right now we're in a season of distress and we're able to look back and say god well i've done all the good things the right things i i have you've directed my path but but what about now here's what god's answer to that is is you will not fall forward and hit your face headlong it doesn't mean that you won't stumble or circumstance. He says in those times when we feel hopeless, I've been there. When you lose focus on life, you have to battle the devil, battle all the things in the culture, battle people who say they love you, battle people that have stabbed you in the back. You battle those people. It causes you to lose a little focus. How many know? The focus ought to be on God. But here's what a focus happened. When that happened, you want to take matters into your own hand. When you feel forsaken and forgotten. And do not forget, there will be numerous people this year during this holiday season that will feel forsaken. And they will never tell a soul that they have no one to spend Christmas or Thanksgiving with. They will never tell. And we're mesmerized by fear and doubt, and we begin to talk and act like that the Scripture we read over here out of the book as it relates to Proverbs and as it relates to Psalms that that Scripture even exists. But when we step back, we remember a few things, don't we? We remember that the Red Sea did part. How many believe it could part again? 
we remember that Abraham did father the heir of a great nation. We know he said, and your descendants will be as the pebbles of sand on the seashore. And that's true today. We remember that Elijah did call fire down. And I'm going to be at the place when I go to Israel the first of next year, right standing right there where that happened. Scripture is so specific when he says you just stand on Carmel. That's where the sacrifice is made. You look and you see the valley of Megiddo out there where a great battle takes place. And then you turn around and you look and you see the Mediterranean Sea just like the Bible describes it. Just like it's described. You say, wow. And you feel the move of the Holy Spirit. You know that the fourth man did show up in the fire. One of the one of Oral Roberts' greatest messages is the fourth man that showed up in the fire. We do remember Paul's presence on that old ship that was doomed, saved hundreds of lives because the one man directed by God was on that boat, and they all survived. And we also remember that Jesus did rise again, and he is coming back. So we say... We have out of the Scripture, wherever the enemy pushes us to, whatever limits we feel that we have been violated, that we remember these things. And he says, now put it in this vernacular. He said, the steps of a good man are what? Ordered of the Lord. How many good men do we have? I'm talking about men and women now. You all know it's just a figure of speech. But how many good men and women do we have in the house tonight? That's right. Good. How are we good? Don't you cheat, God. If you are saved and covered in the blood of Jesus Christ, you better get your hand up, friend. I said, how many good men and women do we have in the house by the saving grace of God? Now you're working for me tonight. We may fall, but we are not cast down. You ever hit those moments and just get that phone call or get that email or get that text? And you, you don't even know why people are mad at you. Hello? I know why people get mad at me. I deserve it. How many know what I'm talking about? But you know what? If someone doesn't like you, consider that a blessing. Amen? Consider it a blessing. Because if you do everything, do everything right and everybody likes you, you ain't doing anything. The righteous have never been forsaken or had to beg for bread. Never. Never beg for bread. Some of you in this room I know quite well, and I know how the Lord has intervened in your life and how God has used individuals to bless you. And I know many of you are in this room. You've been the, you've been the person giving the blessing and the person doling out the compliments, and the person doling out the financial help, the person doling out a helping hand, the person doling out encouragement to individuals. Here's another point. Love does prevail. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. That's all I know. Some of you know that. I can start them off pretty good. But love prevails. I'm not talking about mushy love. 
I'm not talking about mushy love. Yes. You know, love does prevail. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Now these three remain. What are they? Well, faith, hope, and love, but what? Why? Greatest of these is love. Greatest of these is love. Why is that important? Because love is the characteristic that drives the heart of God. Paul, who was the great apostle, declares, faith is great and hope is wonderful. But the greatest tool for good to get things done that ordinarily cannot get done is love. So if you were the enemy, what would you do to try to balance someone trying to love? It would create dissension, division, separation, bitterness, anxiety to get a person to get bitterness and resentment and hate in their life. And yet he says, but the greatest thing that will cause you to be an overcomer, to be certain that your footsteps are directed and ordered of God, is to make up your mind to be a, a person of love. But listen to your conversation privately with other people. Does it emanate love? Is it complimentary? Does it lift up? Does it encourage? Whatever you say in word or deed, do it as unto the Lord. We well do it in public, but in private, we must be careful. The greatest tool for good is that power of love. Think of the words that says, you know what? I love you. I love you. I love you. Some people don't have to say, I love you. Some respond, I love you too. I love you. You've got a whole lot of love going around. Paul says, you can be spiritual and forget love, and you're nothing but a gong. You think you're spiritual, but if you don't have forgiveness and compassion, you don't have love, you don't have mercy, you don't have grace, all those things that make up a good love cake, he said, you're nothing but a gong. The other thing, he says, you can prophesy, oh, hallelujah, and not exhibit love, and you're nothing but a super spiritual maniac. He also says you can have faith and do miracles even and have not love. But he said, then you are nothing. Because if the characteristic of God's heart is not there, why? Because love never fails. It never fails when it is distributed every time. If you want to heal a situation, a relationship, you want to heal a problem, then love through it. How many has watched a Hallmark movie already this year? May I see your hand? I'll tell you what, it is so corny. My Lord, you know good and well that somebody's going to get a kiss at the end of the program. You already know who it is that's going to get a kiss. And how do they work you up to the last? It's the last two minutes of the movie when it finally happens. And 20 minutes before the movie, listen up, Wally, you need this. 20 minutes before, 20 minutes before the movie's over, they have a spat and they have a division and they have a fuss, and then they work their way over to 58, at 58 of the hour, and the last two minutes, they get the kiss. And you, you know it's coming. And I even channel surf. 
And I wait to the last 20 minutes. I like to see them fight so I can see them kiss. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all know what I'm talking about. How many of you watched the Hallmark movie, Let Me See Your Hand? Got two channels now. Some of you didn't raise your hand, you need to watch. Two channels. And it's all that, like, you know, the stuff. It's good, solid material most of the time that warms the heart of the women. It does. It's all about love. Somebody, it's there. You see, if you want to heal a situation, love your way through it. You see it all the time. You want to win your enemies? Just out-love them. Treat them the same way you always treat them. Out-love them. Somebody said, well, I don't want to do that. That's hypocritical. What's hypocritical about doing what the Bible says? Well, what if I do it and I don't really feel it in my heart? I'm here to tell you, then walk on faith. Do it anyway. You want to impact those around you? Then give them love and forgiveness. And you want to influence unsaved friends or family? Love them right where they are. You ungodly devil, if you don't get right with God, you're going straight to hell. Do you understand that? Come here and give me a big hug. I'd knock your pew. Don't you come up with me and want to hug me after saying that. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking real life. Don't you think so? Real life. It's where it's at. And the church needs to understand that behavior. Love is the character of Christ flowing through a believer. That's you and me by actions of care, concern, and compassion. And we understand that. So here's Paul writes, Ephesians 3, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through what? Faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide, long, high, and deep is the love of Christ. How long, wide, and deep is His love? Even before you ever acknowledged His name, He loved you. Before you ever came to faith, He died for you. Before you asked for forgiveness, He offered forgiveness. That's how love, wide, and deep the love of God is that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever should believe upon Him should not. I'm here to tell you that's the love of Almighty God. It's found in the Scripture. He says, and know this love that surpasses understanding. How can you love them? Because the Word of God's given me the capacity to love them. Why don't you hate them? Because you don't have the permission of Scripture to hate anyone. Let me say it again. You don't have permission of Scripture to hate anyone. You don't have permission in Scripture to, to push other people away. He says that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So I benefit. Solomon says, Proverbs 10, 12. Hatred stirs up what? But love does what? Covers over all wrongs. So here's what else he says, Proverbs 15, 17. Here it is. 
for you vegans, I'm sorry, here we go. Better a meal of vegetables where there is love than a what? Than a fattened porterhouse steak with hatred. You know what he says? Why does it say vegetables? Have you ever heard moms say to their kid, eat your what? Eat your vegetables. Have you ever heard a mother say, eat your nuggets? (laughs) Never. You ever heard a mother had to say, eat your french fries? I know Rita back there is dying right now. She turned it inside out. She's a nutritionist. Eat your vegetables. So here's what he says. He said, most of us are looking for answers and solutions to the great problems of life. And maybe a change here and there is important. But what we really need to do once we establish the fact, I bow down to God, I honor Him, is to say, what about this issue of love? What's in my heart? Is it bitterness or resentment or distastefulness or anxiety that I, that I have against some people? Here's what it says. Love overlooks faults. You married people, listen. It overlooks faults. Well, Pastor, you don't understand. I've told him and told him and told him to put the lid to the toilet down. That's an easy fix. Be grateful he's not an alcoholic. It overlooks the faults. Love is patient, but she takes her sweet time every time we get ready to go somewhere. It takes her forever to get to the car. Be grateful you don't push her in a wheelchair. And be grateful that she has the self esteem to want to look good for you pray tell none of us know why everybody understand always love has no gripe tape replay I had a parent tell me the other day my husband and I we got in a pretty good disagreement in the car how many of you know some of the best fusses are in the car neither one of you can jump out you know just in the car. She says, but my daughter videotaped our fuss. Ooh. What did you do with the videotape? Is it available? <laughs> oh, no. I deleted it, she said. That was a good move. Love always gives the benefit of the doubt. Amen. There must be some reason. That the car is not moving and the light is green. And the other cars have been gone 30 seconds in front of them. 
and the light's already turning. Caution, there must be some reason. Well, we all know what the reason is. They're texting. <laughs> Give the benefit of the doubt. And then love is touchy. I ran into a couple just tonight here at church that mentioned about their spouse being a little grumpy. Hello? I mean, right there in the lobby of the church. Grumpy pastor, he said. You, you know any grumpy whip? Not me. Don't be touchy. Love is not out to gain its own way. Amen? In your family, do what I've done. There's only a couple sacred things in the house. My chair. Right. The speed of the ceiling fan. Amen? And the television in the living room with the channel changer. That's it. That's it. Here we go now. Judgment is coming. Say that with me. Judgment is coming. What does that mean? I'm going I'm to take off because I want to get into prayer. It says in Matthew 25, All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Hebrews 9.27, just as a man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment. So we know the unbeliever will, in Revelation 20, 11 through 15, the unbeliever will face judgment. And the latter part of those verses is, the lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. That's the judgment of the unbeliever. Next is the believer will be judged. And that's Revelation 20, verse 12. And it says in the two or three verses down, another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. So, I can tell you with the fullest confidence that God marked down your attendance in this service. You said he's that good of a record keeper? Absolutely. He's that good of a record keeper. Why? Because don't you know how easy it would have been to stay home and watch it online? Everybody understand? Wouldn't it have been easy to say, let's just stay home, put our feet up? And watch a Hallmark movie because they're on now. Here's another. We'll be judged for our loyalty unto death. That's the Live Dead program that we have in our missions program. Two of the missionaries we had are engaged in the Live Dead program. They have to sign a document that says, if we are found out that we will not run, if we are found out, you will not need to bail us out of this country. We will stand here and we will die for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it says, be faithful even to the point of death, and I'll give you a crown of life. Number two, judge for his care. Talking about those of us who are judged by God for, with compassion. And then judge for his soul winning. In 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20, that's why we talk about winning souls. Number four, judge for his righteous living. For now, 
There is in store for me there a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Judge for his victorious living, for living victoriously. Everyone who competes in games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Final point. Here it is. Jesus is coming again. He's coming again. He's coming again. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, 51, Listen, I tell you a mystery. And I'm all going to sleep. We're going to be changed in the flesh and the twinkling of an eye. The last trump. Here it is. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Gone. There are some who say, there are some who say, well, we're going to go through the tribulation. Have at it. I'm not. Because the rationale is, well, hey, if he redeemed us to keep us out of the tribulation period, why would we go through the tribulation period? Why would those who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ? He says, we are going to be changed. It rescues the church from the coming evil. Let me tell you something. The world is so going to change in seven years. First three and a half piece to set up the Antichrist. First three and a half piece to set up the ruler of the church, the whole works. And look what's happening today. It's getting ready. The last three and a half, it's Katie bar the door. It's coming. All the judgments, hell, blood, etc., is going to take place. And according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, and it fulfills the coming of the Lord fulfills the Word of God way back out of the Old Testament. It ends all my present problems. My sick body is glorified. It places me in the presence of the Lord. It swallows up death. It gives me my ticket to attend the capture and annihilation of Satan himself. And when he, my friend, when he reminds me of my past and my sin, I want to encourage you one last little word here. Remind him of his future. It is the lake of fire. Amen? Amen. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. The loving instruction that we remember. It is necessary for us to remember things that we already know. It's necessary to be reminded. That's why we do communion every month. It's to be reminded, as you instructed us, remind us of those things that are valuable it's important for us to remind ourselves and to hear the word that says, hey, get rid of your bitterness, your anxiety, your pain, your hurt, your rudeness. Let love rule in your heart. Offer forgiveness freely. God, let it happen. And to be reminded to live in the way that Jesus, you're coming again. And live in a way that everything that we do one day, no, it's going to be judged. It's going to be judged that when we make a decision to press in and to stay strong and to stand at our post, that we'll be rewarded as a result of that. And to be reminded that we're not alone. Our, our lives are directed. If we fall, you're going to reach down and pick us up. If we stumble, you're not going to forsake us. You're going to know who we are. We thank you for this privilege now. Bless and speak to every life just in case there's someone here or someone listening online that your heart is not right with Jesus and you realize that.
And you're ashamed of that. You've had ample opportunity. Well, let me encourage you, friend. You can't do it on your own. You really, when you confess, you have to make your mind up to say, I'm going to press in. I'm going to have the disciplines of Jesus. So I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer right now. Would you do that? Everyone, dear Jesus, forgive me. I have sinned. I admit it. I have been self-serving. I have been prideful. And I need deliverance. So now by faith, I believe according to your word, I am forgiven. You have redeemed me. I am different. And I will behave differently in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We have many needs tonight. I mentioned Seminole Heights there in Tampa tonight. Also, Texas, of course, where the people in the church, most horrific murder that's taken place in modern history in that regard. How is it possible? Well, there are some say it's guns. Some say, well, it's mental health. I want to tell you where it comes from. It is a spirit that is rooted out of darkness. It's out of darkness. And so many things during this holiday season that we need to pray for our missionaries and individuals that are just wrestling with family problems and individuals that are sick. My mother is doing better. She's certainly not out of the woods. Continue to pray for her. And just North Korea, we need to pray that God would intervene. That, that my friend, I got to tell you, all the things you hear as I talked about judgment, let me just tell you, it's nothing to mess with, but God is on the throne. Amen? So I'm going to ask you, we're going to take maybe, uh, maybe 10 minutes here, and I think it honors God. And we're just going to get our knees or in the altar. You can walk or you can kneel down in your pew. We're just going to have some soft worship, and we're just going to pray. Surely you've got enough needs that that we need to take before the Lord and pray for our services on Sunday. We're coming when more people come to church than ever, particularly in these periods of times. Pray God will give the anointing of the Holy Spirit that God will come down on us. Amen? So let's do that right now. Then we'll give the benediction in about 10 minutes, everybody. If you have to leave, you certainly are welcome to slip out.